the muzzleloaders.com podcast, your source for all things muzzleloading. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Muzzleloaders podcast. We are here with Hunter and Caleb, and we have some exciting stuff we're going to be talking to you guys about today. So um, we're going to be talking about the Hawk and Muzzleloaders specifically. So if you joined us for episode, I think it was episode four. Something like that. Yeah, Something along those lines. Yeah, yeah. Episode, episode four. <laughs> uh, if you join us for episode four, then you got some of the history of a lot of the traditional muzzleloaders, including the Hawken. Um, so this podcast isn't going to focus as much on the history of it, more on what it is, uh, how to distinguish it, why, what is similar or different about it versus other sidelock mm-hmm. muzzleloaders. So um, with that, let's go ahead and get started with the characteristics of a Hawken muzzleloader. So like, what characterizes a Hawken? Well, I mean, the Hawken rifle is basically, it's a plains rifle. So there's a ton of different variations of mm-hmm. the plains rifle. We went over that a little bit in our last podcast on the traditional muzzleloaders podcast. Uh, basically, the Hawken is specifically made by the Hawken brothers. So it's a brand. Um, it's a brand of plains rifle, and mm-hmm. they varied. You know, So there's a lot of different options that you can run into, varying calibers. Um, different stocks. Some are half, some are full length stock all the way out to the end of the barrel. So there's there's a lot of different features. There's nothing specifically concrete about them other than the Hawken rifles were specifically manufactured by the Hawken brothers. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of their defining characteristic. They're a higher end brand. Mm-hmm. Um, they were generally more expensive than some of the other manufacturers out there. That I think kind of begs the question too of how did, so that, that particular style, you know, like you kind of know the style of like half stock design. What how did that become known as the Hawken? Because it, it technically is a plains rifle design, um, and it's it's because they manufactured so many of them, and it's such a high quality. They're very popular. So yeah. sort of like it's sort of like with with tissues and Kleenex. Like you just I'm going to be yeah. a Kleenex. You know, it's like <laughs> right. they've right. manufactured and made them so popular that you just associate mm-hmm. the brand yeah. with the name. So yeah, Kleenex is a really that's a really lame. <laughs> I was thinking. I was thinking Kool Aid, right? Wow. It's there a pow- there powdered drink beverage. It's like, it's all Kool Aid. Doesn't matter if it's Kool Aid brand or not. Yeah, yeah, t- yeah. yeah that's much more exciting. Apparently, this is a podcast on everything other than Hawk and yeah, Muzzle. No, true. <laughs> Look at all these Hawk and Muzzle Like that's a plane's rival. That's all Hawk no. to me. Anyway, yeah. yeah, no. So it's um, yeah, it's a it's a very unique. Uh, well, all of them were unique because they made all of them by hand. Mm-hmm. So the Hawk and Brothers manufactured guns from like 1823 to into the 1840s ish i mm-hmm. think um and they were all different they're all mm-hmm. handmade the early ones uh they speculate were flintlocks later on like in the 30s 1835 ish um they started making them with percussion locks they don't really know exactly how many of them are out there you can generally tell if you've got an authentic original because mm-hmm. it's got a very plain designation right on the top of the barrel mm-hmm. just says uh, s hawken and st louis hmm. so if you ever run across one of those and it looks really old and it's got that, you've probably got something worth a lot yeah. of money. But yeah. <laughs> just a little side note. But, yeah, there there's a whole bunch of them out there. Uh, like I said, they made them in a ton of different calibers. They made them, like, 25 caliber up to, like, 68, 69 caliber as well. Mm-hmm. Lots of variation. 54 was the common size. Mm-hmm. So. Well, because a lot of the modern ones that, um, you know, are the brands that we sell have in production right now have the half stock but apparently they made them in the full stock, which I was actually not aware of. Mm-hmm. And very, so so how would that work as far as like a long rifle? Because, you know, usually for me, like a long rifle, hey, if the stock extends to the very tip of the barrel, that's what's considered a long rifle. But apparently mm-hmm. some Hawkins were made with 
the longer style. So yeah, the long rifle designation. It's kind of tricky because yeah, all exactly, these guns yeah. back then on the frontier days, they were all just you know, there's a there was a ton of them. There was a lot of like just small gun manufacturers mm-hmm. all over the country. And they're all making different stuff, calling them different things. They're all very similar mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, but they all were different also. Yeah. So the the long rifle was actually more the barrel length. Mm-hmm. So the Plains rifles usually had a little shorter barrel. Sure. Um, they were more geared for people going out further west um, that were going to be in the mountains too. They were geared towards trappers. They were geared towards the mountain men. Um, so, you know, they had a little shorter barrel, a little lighter weight. The Kentucky long rifles, like the ones we sell now, the reproductions, they have like a like a 40, actually not even a 40, I think it's like a 38-inch barrel on them, maybe a 44, sure. depending on the model. Um, that would have been short for a long rifle in the actual time period we're talking sure. about. Yeah. You know, they were way longer, um, which was not super practical. Um, so that's why these ones came about. The Plains rifle design shortened it up. Most of them were made with a half-stock style. Mm-hmm. They were less expensive, um, they were easier to maintain, I guess. They didn't have stuff break as much. Um, which brings me actually to another interesting point on the Hawk and guns. Why they became so popular um, is because they were really dependable. So a lot of these guns, people would have to fix them, get replacement parts. Um, that was something that people ran into a lot. So the Trappers really liked the Hawk and brand, though they were about double the cost. We're talking like twenty four bucks, which is that that's <laughs> yeah. kinda isn't that crazy? <laughs> so um which in eighteen, you know, thirty five that would have been a whole lot more money than it is today, <laughs> obviously. But um yeah, a lot of the Hawken or you know, a lot of the planes rifles rather would go like like twelve bucks. It was a pretty common they found historical manifests that have shown, hey, you know, a couple of these trade rifles, planes rifles, twelve bucks. The Hawken rifles were always specifically designated as such because people recognize the brand and the quality. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were usually about double the price. So, yeah. um, But they held up. They worked really well. Um, the Hawken brothers used a few innovations to make them last longer. One of the main issues they would run into is the stock at the hand, where your hand goes, would crack. Um, mm. And so the Hawken brothers, uh, they made the tang longer um, and the screw plate uh, for the trigger longer underneath so it sandwiched that stock uh, with two metal pieces, which actually helps... Uh, brace that um, that hand grip area a little bit better so they would hold up a whole lot longer. So the trappers really liked them because they would last a lot longer. Makes sense. Yeah. And I think it's super exciting that, uh, you know, there's. it's interesting when you're talking about, like, the full-length stocks. Oftentimes we'll think about uh, Kentucky rifles having a full-length stock, Hawkins have a half, or, you know, Plains rifles have a half. Um, and I think that a lot of it comes down to as well that there weren't necessarily – specific like nowadays are cnc machines everything is like hey we're gonna make x (laughs) amount of this exact product Mm -hmm. and it's gonna come out exactly the same whereas back then it was like hey could i you know they were gunsmiths hey could i get a gun that looked like this and does this and they would make one you know so hawken the hawken brothers made rifles with long you know longer stocks um but weren't necessarily you know your traditional planes rifle design sure Um, Mm -hmm. but they were able to do that uh which is it's interesting piece of history too and um so i guess moving on from that so there's you know varying twist rates kind of more of like what what they are today um because we talked about the history at a good amount of length um today there's a whole bunch of different variations um you know you have different typically 28 inch barrel is kind of what you're looking at um a lot of the traditions ones are 28 inch barrels which is which is shorter a lot shorter than the kentucky 
right. rifles that we have today as well. Um, and then different twist rates. Uh, one in 48 is pretty common in, in planes rifles and Hawken rifles today because it's more versatile. You're able, and a lot of times today they're looking at just practical uses yeah. for people that are using them today. Um, the historical context is still there, but it's more about, okay, how can we make this apply to people that are using them now? Um, mm -hmm. and so, yeah, you're able to get a couple of different things like that. Uh, and something interesting is the, uh, the PA pellet, the traditions PA pellet is almost like a Hawken design. Um, it's, you know, half stock design, faster twist rate. So it's like, that's a really modern take on what was an old design. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think the, uh, the new ones, they've like, like you said, they've shortened those barrels down, which is really nice. I mean. Uh, these older style <laughs> guns that were ridiculously long barreled uh, while you know that was the technology at the time with you know improvements in materials and in rifling technology uh, we can get good effective accuracy with those rifles with mm -hmm. the shorter barrels which is nice and it makes them a whole lot more practical to use for mm -hmm. you know hunting today uh, which is super cool so yeah, I think the, you know, usually you see them in a 1 in 48. You can see them in some variations. There are different manufacturers that make them in different uh, like twist rates. The Lyman Great Plains Hunter is like a Plains rifle design, right. and it's available. I think it's 1 in 32, mm -hmm. and so yeah. you, you can use and, it. In and Petter Soli makes some of those in like a 1 in 24 as yeah. well. Mm -hmm. um, so there's really there's a variation, and they make them in a style. 1 in 60. So yeah. you've got round ball shooters, got modern like modern conical projectile shooters as well. That 124 is really for a conical bullet. Um, well, we have a lot of people, you know, in the south, you know, just heav heavily foliaged areas where it's like, I'm only going to be shooting 20 yards, 30 yards. Mm -hmm. So the 1 in 48, yeah, I think is has been the most popular for me hearing on the phone because it's like, well, round balls are cheap. You know, I buy right. 100 for 12 bucks and I don't need you know, pinpoint accuracy at a hundred yards. I just need to be able to take something down at, at 30 yards in the brush and that's it. So, and you can hit a decent group at a hundred oh, yards absolutely. With them too. So, I mean, sure. they're not bad shooters. Um, not at all. in fact, these guns can be stepped out, you know, three or 400 yards. If mm -hmm. you know what you're doing, mm -hmm. um, I don't recommend hunting like that <laughs> because that's just a horrible idea with a round ball. But, uh, some of the ones with the, you know, that shoot more of the conical projectiles, mm -hmm. they can get out there further. Uh, especially some of those Petersolis, very accurate rifles, they can get way out there. So what is the what is the difference you're talking about, you know, being able to shoot this one at longer ranges? That was kind of the designation of the uh, Kentucky rifle as well. Mm -hmm. So what is like, what are the differences between the two? It's so like if you were to sit down, set them down, um, both historically and modern, because historically I think they had a lot more similarities than, you know, than they do today. Because mm -hmm. today they're very designated and mm -hmm. Hawkins have a half stock design you know, Kentucky rifles have a full length stock. So if you were to lay them down, like what would be the designation between the two? What would be the first things that would like catch your eye? You're talking about the Kentucky rifle versus the versus Hawken. the Hawken, yeah. So the Kentucky rifle has obviously it's going to have that full length stock. Mm -hmm. It's got a noticeably longer barrel. Mm -hmm. You'll see that right out of the gate. Um, the Kentucky rifles are pretty much all exclusively made with those slower twist rates as well. Mm -hmm. uh, so. Not all of them. There are, again, ex exceptions, but the vast majority are going to be in that 160, 166 mm -hmm. twist rate. They're round ball shooters. Mm -hmm. uh, that's what they're designed for. But, you know, then you've got variations like your triggers. You can have single triggers, double set triggers. Some of them have patch boxes. Some of them do not. Almost all the Hawkins do have a patch box on them nowadays. Most of the reproductions do, and a double set trigger. A lot of the Kentucky rifles do not. So that's something that would catch your eye and stick out as well. 
Um, but yeah, that main difference you're going to notice is right out of the, you know, right off the bat, you're going to see the stocks are very different. Um, mm -hmm. And their shape and design is different as well. Yeah. Awesome. Sounds good. So let's go ahead and pick up with our tech tip of the day here. So uh, we're talking about different twist rates earlier in the podcast. I kind of wanted to emphasize what is a twist rate, what uh, twist rates go with specific bullets and everything, because we were talking about that. So um, I think that so t a twist rate is has to do with the rifling. It has to do with the speed of the rifling. So for instance, a 1 in 24 twist rate means that the rifling is going to do one full revolution in the barrel in 24 inches. So uh, obviously a 1 in 62 is much slower. Mm -hmm. A 1 in, you know, a 1 in 20 would be faster than that. So uh, there's a few different things like that that you can, you know, keep an eye on. So if that you're looking to pick up different projectiles for your muzzleloader, first thing is to figure out what twist rate you have. Yep. And... Um, Anything slower than a 1 in 48 is designed for round balls just because it doesn't have that shape. It's, you know, it's going to need something a little slower because mm -hmm. you're more just applying force and get a little bit of rifling to help with some of the accuracy. Um, but if it's too fast, you'll start to see a little bit of inconsistency. Yep. Uh, 1 in 48 and faster is for conical bullets because you need that extra speed to stabilize those oblong projectiles. And then you have 1 in 48, which is kind of that middle ground where you could shoot either one. Uh, you just kind of practice with it, see what works best out of your rifle. So, um, really, that's kind of our tech tip of the day. If you have any more questions as far as that is, give us a call. We're happy yeah, to help. For sure. Um, one cool thing we want to show you, because we've been talking about these muzzle loaders, we actually have a Lyman Great Plains Hunter, uh, the new signature series. So, Caleb's going to hand that to me. Um, and then we are going to kind of show you some of the features and some of the things that you would see typically on a hawk in muzzleloader. And so we're going to, Caleb's going to emphasize a yeah. few of those things. Here. Yeah. And for those of you not on YouTube, I will try to explain this the best that yeah. I can because <laughs> you can't, you <laughs> right. can't see it like we do. So yeah, first off, this is just a gorgeous gun with the beautiful wood stock. Um, and then that blackened barrel um, that we mentioned with the half stock. Um, this is the Lyman Signature Series um, Great Plains Hunter. Mm -hmm. So this one will have that faster 1 in 32 twist rate. So you will be using a conical projectile out of this instead of a round ball. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, some of the some of the key features, you just see this these beautifully ornate um, furniture, like the, the trigger guard, for example, is just beautiful. And it matches the, that same black coloration as the rifle. Um, this one has a double set trigger. Um, the reason why you have a double set trigger is to, well, you can basically pull the, the rear trigger, which you see has this very pronounced curve on it. Well, here, let's just demonstrate it too. I yeah. Mean, so like, go yeah. So you, so, so pull, you pull that back. and it will, it will snap into place. That will actually turn your front trigger, which is your main trigger into a hair trigger. Um, you don't have to do this. You can still go ahead and just pull your, your main trigger. Um, but there's, there's definitely a lot yeah, harder pull. Yeah. You, and you can, you can see it, you know, you watch how mm -hmm. far that, that trigger travels. Yeah, absolutely. When it's set. So it's a hair trigger. Exactly. Yeah. And so, um, just kind of a, a really cool feature. Even just the technology though, like that was, that was invented way back in the day. It's like, yeah, with all the springs and everything, they've just modernized it. Yeah. Um, and of course this one is the percussion model. So it does have a number 11 nipple, which you put a number 11 percussion cap on there. And, um, this, this hammer actually has a half cock. I know you full cocked it now, but you usually will yeah, so um, you can go to put it to half, half cock go. so you can put your your percussion cap on there. And so if for whatever reason, if that hammer did fall, 
it, the intention is so it would not ignite that. You know, you're not gonna <laughs> don't try your, it at home. It, it still might go off, but <laughs> it, it might. It might. Well, but the intention it's, it's really is a safety, a safety feature. Yeah. yeah. So if that were to go down, you know, a less likely chance of that cap going off, and then you're, you know, in this case, your conical bullet going out. So yeah. the biggest thing with the half cock position is really to immobilize the hammer so mm-hmm. it, sure. the, the trigger can't engage yep. it and it shouldn't be able to come back that down on its own cock, so. right yeah there yeah there so we go the Perfect. trigger will actually drop the hammer and it shouldn't be able to be whacked and, and that dropped. yeah that is one thing i have noticed with these so if you like i just did if you go to full cock and then try and bring it down to half cock like that it's not really half cock you can still make so if you have to do Good that point. all the way you know, down. go all the way down and then go back to half cock because yeah. that's gonna you know i've actually just realized that uh luckily i was safe you know nothing happened but it was like you know you got to be careful because it will um it will cause some problems absolutely and then going from there you move it to a full cock once you have your you know your powder charge your projectile you have the cap on there Mm -hmm. and then you're ready to go um Mm -hmm. this this model is nice because it does have some heavy duty metal open sights and there is a fiber optic insert on the rear so (laughs) you are getting that modern taste but then it just matches up to your um, your front iron sight and it has that little gold bead on it so you still have that mm-hmm. um, you can line up everything really easily yeah this one's really designed for modern hunters you know, yeah it's it's not being 100% historically accurate although pretty much everything except for that rear sight on there is pretty darn oh close. absolutely yeah. and I like this is this is still a solid a single piece of wood that makes up the stock usually mm-hmm. with some longer rifles you'll see where there, there's two maybe three yep. I like that it's made out of just a mm-hmm. one solid piece and so you get that fine character all the way throughout with all the grains and everything um, but yeah other absolutely. than that yeah just a gorgeous gun we actually um, Darren, we got got to shoot this the other day at the range. Yeah, um, yeah. Stay tuned. There'll be some cool range stuff. Maybe you guys get yeah, to see. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So. And it was just a blast. Did you get it? Did you get to shoot it, Hunter? Or? I did not. I did not personally. Oh, but you shoot you that have one. one of the. You already have a Hawk and rifle at home. Don't I have you? a Kentucky long rifle actually. Oh, so okay. I have the yeah. the older cousin of this one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so I guess on that note, so when we're looking at this here, what are just so we can point it out visually? What are the features that would really you know set this apart? Obviously. This one has the, you know, the shorter stock. Yeah. You have the half stock design. Right. And then you have the double set trigger. Uh, that's something that's pretty typical of Hawken rifles in mm-hmm. the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, this also has, like like Caleb was saying, the percussion, which, um, like Hunter was saying earlier, Flintlock was also produced. Um, but the Hawkins ha- oftentimes had percussion as well. So yeah. Most um, of them actually did. And yeah. kind of a fun fact, actually, I was reading the other day, um, they actually haven't found any of the original Hawkins with a flintlock mm. ignition. They're pretty sure they made them because they've been ma- they were making them when mm-hmm. flintlock was still the the predominant uh, lock mechanism. But yeah, they switched to percussion pretty early on. Yeah, and you can you can obviously find them with flintlock now. Uh, sure. Traditions like you're saying, traditions yeah. makes uh, makes a, I think a couple of models, at least one that I'm aware of that yeah. uh, with, that has a flintlock. So we'll go ahead and set this aside now. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's really interesting to be able to see the differences of like the rifles even back then. Because now every time you go to the gun store, it seems like there's like a million different rifles <laughs> yeah. out there. Back in the day, there weren't as many, but there was still some variation um, mm-hmm. in in that. So uh, that's actually something I get from a lot of new customers. They call mm-hmm. in and like, "Hey, I want to get into muzzle loading. I don't really know where to start." Yeah, you know, yeah. and it's like, well, there's a ton of options. Which is great because it allows you to really find a good price point and a, you know, good rifle that's going to suit your needs. Yeah. There's so many of them that are custom tailored to 
pretty much every application for hunting purposes and mm-hmm. shooting rendezvous oh, whatever yeah. yeah yeah absolutely and nowadays there's so much support i mean it, you see muzzleloaders are continuing to get more and more advanced with things like the paramount the nitro fire stuff like that but there's still several manufacturers that are producing side locks and producing hawkins like uh you know traditions petter solely mm-hmm. uh lyman um and invest arm has has been uh, making those for mm-hmm. a long time and they actually just kind of had a they've been ma- started making their gimmer and their uh, bridger hawkins recently yep. so mm-hmm. um yeah. that's pretty sweet too and i know cva used to make those side locks they don't anymore same with thompson center yep. um and anybody who's in familiar and involved in like the rendezvous community and all that they you know thompson center hawkins are of great renown they made a really good product back in the day mm-hmm. and so um but uh, and so did cva like cva made a really good good side lock as well so yeah. and it's cool that we just there's still some manufacturer support for all those well that's what's you know cva and thompson center kind of stepped out of that the traditional mm-hmm. style and so traditions firearms is really just filled in that niche you know they make um plenty of kits plenty of fully assembled rifles mm-hmm. a lot of them hawking rifles yes. um and mm-hmm. and a lot of non-hawking rifles too but um i know like the st louis hawking and the um hawking woodsman which the woodsman is the flintlock version i i just love the the brass furniture on those they have mm-hmm. just beautiful patch boxes that just again those ornate trigger guards and everything and i know like we saw this this lyman had the the, the darker wood and like the black hewn furniture but there's just something about the brass furniture that i just love whether you're hanging on your wall taking it out like it definitely gives the old time you uh like that's what people are used to from like the movies for sure yeah Yeah. it was kind of fun about you guys were talking about thompson center and cva they you know there's a little bit of history there too they they really so these muzzle loaders really took off again like the 1970s -hmm. that's when all this stuff started going again um and thompson kind of kicked that off um, then they stepped out of the Hawken production. CVA picked it up. They've stepped out. Now Traditions is yeah. doing it. So what's cool is there's a lot of awesome manufacturers that have been involved in it, mm-hmm. um, and they've you know kept that tradition alive. Mm-hmm. And it's really surging now, uh, which is cool. A lot, a lot of people are getting into muzzle loading. Um, so it's it's a good time to be getting into it. Oh yeah. Well, if you're cooped up inside and need a project to do, That's right? Pick up a kit. <laughs> a muzzleloader <laughs> kit is an amazing thing. And then you just go out in the wilderness afterwards and they're a lot of fun to build i I personally built uh the kentucky rifle that traditions offers and that one's that was super fun um yeah it was a really good build pretty easy there's a couple tricky parts but it's pretty user-friendly i would say i don't have any like carpentry experience or Mm -hmm. anything so (laughs) i mean it was pretty user-friendly to put together yeah awesome um well did you guys have anything you wanted to tack on here no i think we've covered it all cool sounds good well thanks for listening in uh, hopefully we described it good enough for all of you podcast listeners out there. And if not, you'll have to check out the video version. So there you go. Hop on uh, YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so remember, shoot straight, shoot often, and you guys have a blessed week.